0: Hello VetValters, we trust that you're keeping safe and keeping sane in these crazy times. We at the VetVelt are going to be trying out a few new things with the podcast over the next few months to make sure we keep giving you content that provides you with value. And we're excited to offer you the first of those new things with this episode. We've had some fantastic feedback in the past about episodes where our guests discuss themes related to the running of a veterinary practice. Clearly many of you are leaders, business owners and aspiring business owners. Our goal here at the VetVelt has always been to help you make the most of your career. And a big part of that will be how to make sure you make a decent living as a vet. So we're creating a series of regular episodes that focuses on the business of being a vet. So let's get to it.
1: Welcome to the VetVault business and leadership series with veterinary practice owner and business coach, Dr. Shibley Mustafa. In this series we'll explore ways to make veterinary practice sustainable and profitable. Shibley is an owner of a multi-practice group in Australia. He is actively growing his business and shares with us the same up to date lessons and no excuse approach that inspires his own coaching clients. So we are so lucky to have his expertise.
0: In our first episode of this new series, we start with the elephant in the room because it's a huge freaking elephant. COVID-19 is disrupting businesses everywhere, including veterinary practices. But is it as bad as it seems? Will it affect your business? How do we respond to it? And are there potentially things to be gained from all of this? As always, give us your feedback and let us know if you like our new business stream of episodes and what you'd like to hear more about. Please enjoy Dr. Shibley.
1: Hey, Vet Holders. Thank you for joining us tonight. We have a special guest here, and that is Dr. Shibli Mustafa. He is a good friend of mine. And what we thought we would do tonight is talk a bit about COVID. So if you've been following me on social media, I've been sharing a lot about COVID, Did the news um, interview as well around it. But my perspective has come from a, a large referral hospital. But I thought what we'd do is have a chat tonight and invite a guru of uh, general practice. Um, Dr. Shibli. So thank you for joining us, Shibli Mustafa.
2: Thanks Gerardo. Pleasure to be here.
0: And
1: then, as usual, and unfortunately we have Huber here with us today as well.
0: You just can't get rid of me. Always <laughs> show up. <laughs> Shibli, welcome to the show, man. We're um, lovely to have you. I, I look forward to having your, your input into the current situation, but also further down the line, just talking business, talking about how this affects us all. In business, as business owners, specifically veterinary clinic owners or business owners, uh, we'll start with a we'll start with a simple one. Are we in the shit?
2: <laughs> no one me to answer that, do you? <laughs> yeah,
1: so my mouth has dropped, so I haven't got an answer. As a assuming it's your turn.
2: Go. <laughs> All right, let me have a crack first before Gerardo tells us the truth. Um, are we in the shit? Um, no, not yet. And are we going to be in the shit? I think that's a it's a tough one to answer because at this stage, I think of compared to other businesses, veterinary practices are probably the most the most protected at this point. Well, through COVID and beyond, obviously we're going to be a big part of the repair that happens as well. Um, you know, not just talking general practice but animal production and uh, you know wildlife etc. I mean we've just come off the back of the bushfire crisis with all the unfortunate uh, suffering koalas and other wildlife. Um, I think that was enough to just sort of plant the seed firmly just how important vets are to the society.
1: I I cannot imagine what it'd be like uh, having vets closed you know like the health and welfare of pets they would be dramatically affected if if we weren't considered an essential service. So nobody's
0: going to shut us down um, against our will, but they certainly—I don't know if you guys are on any of the the practice owners' social media groups and that—and there's a lot of concern on there, um, yep. and I think very justif- justified concerns. Uh, other than officially being shut down, people are really worried about a potential drop in in business when when clients are supposed to be isolating and they're not supposed to be going out and about. Are we going to see? Uh, so, so even just your own practice management—is it does it make sense to get rid of all those non-essential or non-urgent, veterinary procedures and that? So, does is there that risk that you're going to lose a big chunk of your work? And and if it is there, how do you respond to that?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, what classifies essential versus non-essential services? Um, It's such a gray area because you could could say things like, oh, look, vaccines are non-essentials. You know, routine health checks are non-essentials. But any GP will tell you that some of these patients we are only seeing once a year for their vaccination. And, you know, that's when you see an accumulation of pathology. You know, you're seeing the lumps that have been there, the ear infection that is on and off. You know, the the, this and the that, all these things that people have conveniently accumulated and saved up until their annual health check. And if we are now saying, hey, look, that annual health check thing, that's that's not essential, just wait. There's going to be a lot of pathology in our animal community that's left untreated. And unfortunately, we can't rely on, you know, a lot of pet owners to identify these things. Like they often get it wrong. You know, they phone up saying it's this clinical sign. And when they walk into your consult room, it's something completely different. You know, so uh, I, think, I think that's a really difficult one um, to, to say what's essential and what's not. But I, but I understand as well the other side of the coin where some vets have taken a firm stand to say, look, we've got to just lighten the load because we can't have that much traffic coming into our clinic um you know especially like you could argue okay a dog castration does it need to be castrated or not well hey keep your dog locked up be a responsible pet owner and then you can wait (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know that that that's quite clear as to what you can do but i think um yeah that's my take on things
0: and and how can people respond so let's say so I feel a little bit isolated. I hope I don't swallow these words. Um, but as a as an emergency clinic owner, I feel like, well, everything by definition that we see is urgent. Uh, but I but I do I'm attached to a to a GP practice and I and I and I worked in one for for 15 years before starting emergency. Um so even if you take away 30% of your work, so 30% drop in revenue with a 20% profit margin is a big deal. Um yeah. Are you doing anything in your in your practices to to insulate against that, or do you do you trust that that revenue is going to stay stay constant? How, are you cutting costs? Are you changing things to to make the book book books balance?
2: Yeah, I'll let Gerardo answer first. He's <laughs> got a whole list. I know he's just dying to get it out.
0: No, oh, no, no.
1: Actually, it's 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 incredibly uncertain. Like we are, even as an emergency hospital, right? And now we'd be classified as essential service. So we kind of rode on the on the along the line that actually it's very unlikely that veterinarians would be considered a non-essential service, so we'd have to shut down. Um, I, I essentially we, we we take in it kind of like almost day at a time. We're, we 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 we're, we're trying to balance the um, keeping the doors open, right, so that we're there for pets, for pet owners and for pets. Um, Reducing um, costs and, and and really looking at wastage, but also redirecting any revenue or or income that was going to go towards sort of further internal investment in equipment um, or even external investment elsewhere, um, or even you know talking to the government and talking to banks to try to see if we can you know, limit the, the the outgoings with regards to interests and loan repayments and so forth and. Also, uh, rental on 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 properties, where you can also apply for um, some kind of assistance there as well. So we we we're kind of looking everywhere to try to make sure that we can survive this, um, even despite the fact that you know we know that pets will still come down um, when COVID strikes, and it has it started. But well, it's March now; it's almost the end of April in southeast Queensland. The peak. Like, if you look at the, the math and based on um, what the human hospitals are, are, are basing it on, you get a month. We have one month and then we hit our peak numbers. And no idea what, what, what the actual landscape going to look like um, in four weeks' time. So we're kind of in crisis mode.
2: Wow. I'm glad I don't work for you. <laughs> 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 Things are really different in my practices
0: for one reason <laughs> that one should be so many reasons.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's completely different over my side it's it's like the sun's shining it's blue sky it's amazing um no so in all in all seriousness um you know across the clinics it's it's really interesting I think the dynamics as well of what what cracks start to show within our team members um, with team members that that you thought had things, you know, held together, and they've got this great composure, and they come to work strong and vibrant and positive. And we're starting to see people just kind of regress into their little, you know, shell where they're starting to panic, and they're sort of seeing their future kind of unfolding, and all the plans that they had, and everything that they were wanting to do, um, you know. And that it's really challenging as a as a business owner when you see your team, unfortunately. Um, you know when you see them going through this sort of anxiety and stress and not like being able to give them a certain degree of of certainty uh, a level of certainty but not being able to give them you know a 6 month plan or a 1 year plan which is what we've always done you know we were able to give them that clear vision of guys this is where we're heading jump on this bus and we'll all get there together and now there's mm-hmm. a bit of you know we can say it with a lot of confidence and certainty but but they know just as well as, as we know that nobody knows what you know one month or two months away is going to look like. We we honestly don't. And and look, one part of it, as you've mentioned, Hubert, is um, it's not necessarily just that the the governments you know not shut us down, but ultimately when that fear the the fear psychology starts to creep into society and people are losing jobs and you know running on reserves, etc they are much, much less willing to go and book in the procedure or call the vet, you know, as often in the, as they used to in the past. You know, they, they I was watching something earlier today. Um, they were looking at trends of searches online and they were showing what people are searching for. And so, you know, things like car sales and auctions and all those things have gone down. But what's gone up is like DIY stuff, DIY <laughs> because people have time and they're trying to save some money and they're like, Hey, I reckon I can fix my own car.
0: Spay my own dog.
2: Exactly. Look, Hey, it's going to happen. Right. I reckon I can treat my own dog. I reckon, you know, we can dodge that trip to the vet. Now there's two things I suppose that they're scared of. One is maybe the vet bill, um, mm. you know, but the second thing is people are just generally scared of, of going out and I wish it, I wish I could say everyone was scared of going out. There's still too many people who are, who are terribly irresponsible with their social distancing, but um, you know it's it's starting to creep in more and more. And I think this is a, a little bit of a message that I've um, been communicating with my teams is um, maybe the government hasn't shut us down, but we need to actually keep the work flowing in because, you know, we've got to put some funds into the piggy bank because we don't know how long the drought's going to last for.
1: I, I, I kind of agree there in a way that, so us as emergency service, like we are completely, like, um, have no control, to be to be honest, with regards to what work comes through. We, we might have an ad here or a building sign there or something like that, but, but no one really plans to come down to us. Um, but for us, it's it's really trying to make the client feel that when they come down, that it's safe to come down, right? It's safe for them to come down in a way because we have procedures and policies and and, and processes in place which limit their risk to ask and, and to them. Um, but also, like when they ring up, it's almost we've got to make sure that they feel safe to say, "Hey, look, I'm you know sooner or later, maybe in a month, two months time." A vast majority of the population will probably have access to someone who has COVID or has a COVID positive person in their household. So we've got to assume that these pets come from um, COVID, they may have COVID exposure, right? Um, but they got to feel that it's safe for them to still come down and to come down to the hospital. Not like, oh, your pet has come from a COVID positive household, can't come down because it needs to go through like a sterilizer before it comes into the hospital. So. So one, it's safe for them to come down, two, they're not gonna get ostracized or, or judged for you know coming down despite being and uh, coming from its potential risk.
0: So, uh, so so, what scares me um, and the, and probably all vets that don't think this is unique to emergency, so, so people are still gonna have sick animals. I wonder if it might happen more because I don't know if it's the same for, for you guys, Shibley, but certainly school holidays we see more stuff, more, there's more emergencies, people are out and about more, they hang out with their pets, they do stuff, so things happen to the animals more. So I, I wonder if we might see a, a peak even in, in, in non-routine things coming in. But my worry is <laughs> those people are going to come in, but they're going to come in without a job or within an income. How the hell are we going to deal with an increased number of people saying, yeah, this is my problem, I don't have any money.
2: Yeah. And and look, that's that's an issue that already has caused so much problem within our industry, where vets are, are like the meat in the sandwich, where on the one hand you've got this pet in front of you, your patient that your heart is pouring out to, and you know you can help them if you could only give them this life-saving drug or treatment or procedure. And on the other hand you've got this this pet parent, pet owner who um you know, just physically, even if they wanted to, they don't have the funds and you know that. You know they're not just being difficult. You know that they've, they've literally lost their job. Their wife's lost her job as well and they're, they're running on, 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 you know, petrol fumes like really hard and it is gonna, it's going to hit us even more as vets and I think it's going to really rock that sense of self-worth and, you know, we, we're going to do a lot more mercy billing We're going to do a lot more, you know, sneaky x-rays and sneaky this and sneaky that and discounting. And unfortunately, you know, we're going to fortunately or unfortunately, we're going to be offering charity from right, right from, you know, within our consulting rooms. And it might be at our own detriment. You know, we're going to potentially become these martyrs who are just feeling sorry for everybody. And then if we're not bringing that into our business model, then we're the ones who are ultimately going to suffer as well. And and not just us suffer, but if we go down, then all those thousands of patients that we were supporting while we were still a business that was in the black, what do you do now when you have to shut your doors and walk away? Where do all those animals go?
0: So if you say, if if we don't bring that into our business model, what, what do you mean by bringing, bringing it into your business model?
2: I mean, if, if we don't value ourselves and charge accordingly, um, you know, because sometimes we think, oh, it's just 10 bucks here. It's usually not 10 bucks. Like there's very little that costs 10 bucks anymore in the veterinary world. You know, it's just, it's a hundred bucks here or it's 150 bucks there. It was just, it was just a microscope slide or those x-rays don't cost anything. It's really easy for us to justify discounts in our head. Um, But when you add them up, across a thousand clients or five thousand clients across several months you know that amounts to literally tens and th- tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands if depending on the size of your practice and and it's not just revenue that's actually profit that, those discounts come straight off the profit in your business they don't come off the overall revenue i mean they do but they yeah, ultimately. You know, that you could almost translate each one of those discounts into, okay, that is X amount of hours for a vet nurse, Um, you know, or that's X amount of, of consumables that we need in our clinic. And when you start looking at the numbers like that, you realize that we can't afford to do mercy billing and discounting as much as we want to show empathy and love. We've got to show those in other ways other than financial discounting we've got to be able to communicate that and learn the skills to be able to communicate the empathy, the love and basically give people hugs whether we, you know, who knows if we'll be able to No, hug you're not allowed like to <laughs>
0: don't, don't advise people to give it do don't
2: Nobody hug their clients the <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to Chevrolet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately give them as much love as you can yeah. Yeah. without you going and cutting their bill in half or something crazy like that
0: yeah,
1: I got asked today. We did a Zoom meeting with like, oh, you know, one thing I'm so surprised, and we'll talk about this later about the innovation that comes through challenge, right? Um, but um, we struggle to roll out software in a hospital with 130 staff, right? And then all of a sudden, through absolute need, right, we've, we've somehow got everyone to learn how to use Zoom in like one day, right? So, within this meeting today, there was probably 80. Of, of the chart, and one of them asked, "Is is there going to be some kind of financial relief from you know, for clients?" And I and I and I said, "Look, th- there are finance companies out there who are actually being being more lenient with their lending criteria, especially in this time. And there's one that I spoke to yesterday, and they say that they are actually going to stop all interest on the um, not stop all interest, but any any mm-hmm. no interest. So for six months." Right, um, And then I said, when I look at this screen, I see eighty people. Right, who are relying on me and the other fellow directors to keep the doors open. Right, like so. In terms of in terms of hierarchy of importance for me, I, I look at the screen and go, your income, right, is important to me. So to be honest, there's 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 not going to be discounting. If anything, it's going to cost us more to run a business during this time. Like the amount, of, the amount of like disinfectants we use, the time it takes to wipe down a hospital, right? It's incredible. We need to be here for public. We need to be here for pets. We, we still need to be able to support 130 people and their associated families with income.
0: It's a good answer. Shipley, you, you talked earlier about seeing some of your, your employees uh, not deal with the situation well, people who generally strong and, and independent and, and suddenly not. you can, you can see them struggling and you, and you can't promise them a secure future and you can't tell them what's going to happen. So how do you deal with it as a, as a leader? How, what are you saying? How, does it, how, does, how do your conversations with those staff members sound like at the moment?
2: Yeah, look, it's, it's an interesting one because it really comes back to leadership. I think if you look at yourself as a leader, Hubert, or or yourself, Gerardo, you've got to protect your thoughts. You've got to protect the information that you're ingesting on a daily basis. You've got to protect your environment. um, And you've got to have a bit of a a plan for yourself. And, you know, at at least a daily plan. Wake up in the morning, have a morning routine. Know how your day is going to unfold. Decide on what mindset you're going to have for today. Even if you can't predict what, you know, news update you're going to get at 6pm tonight from Scott Morrison, it doesn't matter because you've decided I've got a victim mentality and a victor, sorry, mentality, not a victim mentality, and, and therefore I'm going to succeed and I'm going to get through this day no matter what. And, um, you know, I think ultimately sometimes when when. I see sometimes, like when I'm sort of cocooned in my home office and only exposed to the things that I choose to be exposed to, um, I can have a very different outlook to somebody who, you know, lives in a family of five people and, you know, gets most of the information through social media. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think a big part of dealing with that is first sort of going, guys, let's just look at the facts. What are the facts? Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the most recent freakouts that I had was someone really concerned that pets were carriers i mean that will just completely demolish your vet clinic (laughs) you know if if we just entertain the thought that hey a pet is a carrier of covid therefore i'm not going to allow any consultations through the door i'm not going to allow i'm I'm not going to want to come to work you know all of those things and that unfortunately comes from misinformation or um I suppose, overinterpretation of, of the facts. Um, and the other thing that we're seeing as well is, um, people who were rational and generally dealt with things in a very logical way. When fear kicks in, there's a lot of um, irrationality and, and people can't see the facts. I mean, we've had some clients, thankfully not many, but we've had like one or two clients just completely lose it. Um, And it's interesting because there's a polarity. You've got some clients who are completely flexible and, you know, they will put up with anything and tolerate anything now because everyone's just being a human and respectful of each other and other people who are just like still in their little zone and freaking out. But I think what's important for us as leaders is to help our team to equip them with the tools that they need, such as helping them establish those routines Um, those little things, teaching them elements of mindfulness, teaching them to protect their environment and what's influencing them on a daily basis, Um, observing those things, gratitude journals. And one of the things we did with our team was we just sent out a gratitude message and was like, hey, just post what you're grateful about today. And it just went on. The thread was great because every time someone added a gratitude, like people just got reminded that, yeah, we need to be grateful. We need to be grateful. We need to be grateful. So there's these little things that I find we have to really physically implant into our businesses and into our teams to be able to help them cope through uh, you know, all the crises that they're going through the mental stuff and the financial stuff as well.
0: That's excellent. How, how do you do that? What does it look like practically? Are you on zoom? Are you, have you got social chats? How, how do you, how do you spread mm. this positivity and get this message out to your team?
2: Yeah, look, so a few things that, I suppose one of the things that we implemented a little while ago, we've got WhatsApp messaging happening across the team. I know some teams are using Slack or, or Facebook Messenger and other groups, but ultimately it's you know having having the team on one group where and you've got to have some rules there, some some ground rules, like no negativity on this group. Like if you've got something positive, you can share it. If it's something negative or you need to tell somebody off, you take that offline, you go one-on-one and you have that conversation. So that's like a a core rule. Otherwise it can just completely go the other way. Um, But ultimately um, we do things like daily shout outs. So at the end of the day or during the day, you know, if someone's done something good to you, just give them a thank you, give them a virtual thank you and a high five. And then because it goes through the team, then it kind of triggers everyone I think, I think, you know, we, we need to be reminded about these things because our instinctive nature is to focus on the negative. Our instinctive mode is to go into survival and just see the, the, the danger and run away from that. We're not thinking about all the good stuff that's going on right now. And so especially at the end of a long day when you had like a crazy shift and everyone's just like kind of hating, hating everything and they're just exhausted and want to go drink a big bottle of wine you know, just to receive some shout outs at night and go, hey, you know what, that thing you did was awesome and and thanks so much. So there's the shout outs. We used to have a gratitude, I say used to, pre-COVID, we used to have a little gratitude book on the front desk that everyone had to just write in one gratitude on their way into work. And we we put a sign up for the clients as well. And we said, what are you grateful for today? And it was awesome because the clients now, even before they come in and interact with us, they're going Geez, what am I grateful for? And it would immediately just shift their, their whole um, energy walking into our business where a lot of our, our clients, unfortunately, they come in stressed, they're anxious, they've been worrying about their pet, they've just had to have a half an hour car ride with the cat meowing the whole way and the car smelling like cat poo. You know, like it's stressful. It's super stressful. And then to be able to walk into the clinic and like, oh, you guys, you guys are calm, you're relaxed, you're grateful. It's just a completely different energy. and I think especially now through Covid, we need to be that sort of certainty and show that leadership within our communities because there's a lot of people who are freaking out right now, especially business owners. And um, you know we we can be that pillar of strength for them if we choose to
1: mm. we when you talked about the, the, the three things, because I wrote down this before you start talking, you t- actually touched on all three with regards to leadership and what people are looking for. They're looking for certainty, community, and a chief, right? Um, and certainty is hard in these uncertain times, but even in a consult actually, when you're like, sometimes people are like, I don't know what to do here with this dog that's kind of like has these non, non-specific clinical signs then I'm like, uh, like, how can you get certainty and uncertainty? It's actually, I'm certain that we need to actually start investigating. You know, you can be I'd like, sometimes like, I am uncertain actually whether or not the plan we're gonna roll out now is actually gonna work, but I am certain that we need to do this.
0: So I'm certain that I have a plan of if that doesn't work.
1: Yeah, well, it's like I'm certain that we need to make a change, you know? Yeah. Whatever it is, like I, am uns- I, like, I I get what well, we roll out my change and might have to be adapted, but I am certain that we need to do this. Like, so you can have certainty in the fact that you need to do something, but um, community is really important, totally. Um, one of the biggest things that I, that I found, because I struggled um, rallying teams in, in the past, and I'm not saying I'm a pro or anything like that, but I do believe that you need to rally your, your, your teams and create community within your own team. And um, one thing I try to do is always call upon their greatness. Like a, a team um, has a moment of triumph, they just forget they have these moments. Um, but then if you as a leader, actually remember those moments, remember the moments when they tackled that difficult surgery, the moment where they brought a clinic back from the brink of bankruptcy or something. So rally them um, around a moment of greatness so they feel the sense of community again. And then together, then they actually feel like as if they can tackle this moving forward. And the, 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 the thing I did recently with the vets, and um, and I'm not saying like this isn't for nurses as well, but I had a clear conversation with them and said, look, like inadvertently in the position you are as a veterinarian, you are the person that people will go to, the, rep, the, the client care representative, the receptionist, the nurse, they'll come to you for figuring stuff out. So you were put in a leadership position, whether or not you were taught at uni or not. Right now, you have to role model the way. You get to step up and role model. And when you decide you're gonna role model the way, you will step into a next version of you, whatever that is, but it's better than probably what you are now. Um, and be mindful that in this time of crisis now, people are gonna be looking at you for how to act, how to respond, what the attitude's gotta be, the tone, the culture, and so forth. Um, and since saying that um i've had several vets on the team kind of just share these moments where they where they've kind of stepped up and you can see it in our slack group where they've kind of stepped up and started to role model and it's and you know what the most exciting thing about covid is that because out of covid um is innovation innovation and the next leaders of the future in your hospitals the people who've survived through pushed through innovated in your practice who have stepped up to the plate right you know they they, they've rised in and that's their moment of greatness they are now going to be your next practice manager your next veterinary senior veterinarian right this is the kind of proving ground this is the crucible out of which the leaders are going to be forged for the next six months two years 10 years to come
2: Can I add something, I just wanted to say like it's a really unique situation where we're isolating into these split groups as well because most clinics run with this tiered structure where you've got the boss who's always there or the manager who's always there and they're just always physically there and therefore they become the go-to person and now they're having to choose, I'm either on the A team or the B team or or the C team depending on how many teams you've got and uh, and like we said before, Gerardo, they're all A teams, right? We don't refer to them as A, B, and C; they're just all A teams, right? Um, but ultimately, that manager or that business owner is no longer there, and so that team in that unique little moment is going to have to just step up, and they're going to have to appoint from within their own leader or just become self-appointed leaders. And it's such a powerful thing. And there's so many cool things that are going to come out of this. Gerardo, you talked about. Um, Uh, you know celebrating the greatness from something they did guys this time now is gonna be one of those stories that we rave on about you know in six months time in two years time we go oh, geez remember 2020 that COVID thing man those were crazy times Mm -hmm. and geez you know but look how much closer we got like we bonded like nobody's business and it's so good these sorts of things it's hard to say it in the time of an uh, you know of, of affliction that every single challenge you go through, and as much as we hate challenges, myself included, every single one, you turn around and you go, man, that was good for me. I'm so, I so needed that. <laughs> I hated it, it sucked, but I, I needed it, it was necessary.
1: All right, and, and like I was just talking today, is was like, uh, we gotta be innovative, we gotta be um, resourceful, we gotta be agile, and you just gotta think about MacGyver. You know, MacGyver was awesome, right? He could do so much with a duct tape. And then in front of like 80 people, they were like, Who's MacGyver? <laughs> That's tragic. Oh, yeah. No. Like, oh, come it on. Was no way. Way. <laughs> One of the other
2: nurses
1: was like, People, MacGyver. Holy shit, MacGyver. And I was thinking of, was thinking of the hospital being sticky tapes together with duct tape because we have no money to perform repairs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it's the old MacGyver as well. The new MacGyver's got like way too much tech on board, right? The the old MacGyver, he was the duct tape and explosives dude. You know, he could make anything explode, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've got a, um, there was a saying I I read the other day that I really like, and I keep going over it in my head to try and get my, my mind on the right track. Um, it says, when the winds of change are blowing, most people build shelters. Some people build windmills. So, what are your windmills? So, we've talked about a few good things that are come that are going to come out of you. Have you have you discovered any windmills, or have you got any that you that you got on the horizon for, for this? Like this is to both of you, but Chibli, you're our guest, so you go first.
2: I think it's interesting because we've all been like telemedicine is probably the biggest thing that everyone's been kind of seeing as, oh yeah, the US is doing it, the UK is doing it, eventually they'll come here. And there's one of, you know, there's a few little businesses who have been running it kind of solo or with a few key players. And again, you know, people are kind of exploring apps and it's just like Gerard said before, like when, when there's necessity, shit just happens man and it happens fast you know and like overnight like all of these little apps are propping up and you know app developers are fast tracking things and suddenly you know these these amazing complex apps that we were creating are just being like ripped down to bare bones and being put out there you know so all of this stuff is is happening and i think um you know to answer your question about the windmill um i think we're we're all you know the word the key word, pivot, Um, you know, we're all pivoting. And I think the faster we we do that right now, the better. And would we come back? And there's some funny things where people are like, they're saying, oh, you know, I kind of like this consulting outdoors thing. And maybe after this whole COVID thing's gone, maybe we can still continue to consult outdoors or not have clients in our consulting rooms or, you know, all of these things, which are kind of, you know, if we do look at the silver lining of it, there's some pretty cool things. And, and like, one of the things that I like about it in general practice, and, and although I haven't had to be in general practice much, you know, through this COVID thing, thankfully, I'm, I'm more in the, in the office now, but um, part of it is, is it kind of, re- it brings people back to that emergency mode, well, what I used to love, and you guys will appreciate this in emergency, like people walk in, they need something, they make a quick decision, you know, it's either a yes or a no, and then they're gone. You know, and it's, it's they're making big decisions for, you know, maybe spending $2,000, $5,000. And there's massive trust, um, you know, built in that very short, uh, you know, period of time. And then you, you whisk their dog away and, or cat and you perform this magic and you come back after X amount of hours and look, we fixed it. And, you know, all those gashes are now put back together and, you know, the legs no longer hanging off or whatever it is that you've done. And it's this massive, you know, it's the swing from, oh, my God, what's going on? How are we going to get through this to, oh, you're a superhero. You're amazing. I love you guys. Now, that's what you get when you work in emergency, right? You don't always get that in GP land. (laughs) Unfortunately, you know, you get a lot of people going, I don't know. I want a second opinion and I'm going to wait and talk to my husband who knows absolutely nothing about dogs Um, first, you know, all those sorts of things. You get where I find now in this situation. It's it's kind of like, hey, give me the info you need now. Give me your dog, and now I will be back with the information that that I need to pass on to you, and you will pay the bill. And our clients are being trained into that, which is really cool. They're being trained to respect our authority, respect our space, respect our charges. You know, and and there's, I think there's just heaps of benefits within there. I hope that answers your question. Mm, it
0: does. It does. I- I worry a little bit about, because I can see there's a lot of vets excited about this whole new shift in the dynamic between clients and us. I, I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, um, it certainly works for me in, in consultation is to achieve those things. You talk about quickly gaining trust and that is that personal relationship, that relationship building thing. Uh, it might just be my age. I, I struggle to do that. Not one-to-one, not in, not in person. Um, maybe the younger generation are so used to it that they could create that same connection digitally. Um, I am open-minded. I'll, I'll see what happens and see what it turns out. But I, I, I have a, I've got some concerns over over that particular topic. Um, but again, that might just be me being a dinosaur. I, I'd love, I'd love to be wrong. I, I think
1: that um, he would surely, mate. We, we've been podcasting. How many podcast episodes? Have you been?
2: <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs>
1: Four or- 5 or something, and then you're saying you can't you can't talk in a way over a podcast, but so you're varying your voice and then talking about things and learning how to vary your voice and tone and pitch and speed to then communicate in a way where they can almost see what you're saying, but you're actually not even in the room.
0: You make a very good point. I, I was actually st- our very first episode um, with uh, with Louisa. We we did it late at night. And, and I was new to – well, I've obviously done family phone calls on, on Skype and that, uh, but I was shocked how intimate that conversation was. Within 20 minutes, I forgot that we were sitting over the internet and not sitting on the couch with Louisa. So you're right, actually. That's, that is a good point. Maybe I will I – will, I, will, I hope that I will, I will learn from this and we can still create those connections.
1: I, I think that we got to maybe – this is actually something I didn't even consider even thinking about that. It's what I take for, for granted. And I think now that I, I do it deliberately is that if I am having, because okay, let's say if we're having difficulty um, explaining as to what we need to do um, with a particular client over the phone um, due to either a breakdown in trust or something like that, I'm the kind of person who then is then has to go on the phone and to rebuild that and then to say, hey, look, the only option is this, and it's going to cost 5000 right? I, I find that you've got to be quite deliberate around your tone and your, your pace and also around like you just like you a smile, you smile, okay? And if you're sad, feel sad. Like it's almost like you've got to amplify your emotions through your voice so that when you are doing a phone consultation, you're not there kind of having the phone against your head and leaning into it and thinking, oh, my God, I feel like a coffee right now. This is the most. But, you know, do we need to do a surgery to save your dog's life. And it's going to cost $5,000. You know, you're going to get no compliance if you sound like as if you'd rather, I don't know, be clipping your nails with nail clippers. So I think there, there, there will be an art. There will be an art to connecting with clients without them being in front of you. And we'll learn that real quick smart
2: and Gerardo will teach the rest of us how to master the Zoom consultation.
0: <laughs> voice only, mate. So because- we, we, yeah. So you, are, are you guys using voice voice only or, oh, or video? We
1: tried, we tried. Actually, you go first, because we, our, our, our little mini trial on Zoom was a little bit kind of hectic, so.
2: Yeah, look, it's, I, I think, you know, we're gonna co- cover all sorts of problems like congestion and data and bandwidth and, you know, all sorts of issues there and people just generally not managing the tech but um, human human issues. But ultimately, I'm kind of excited about it because how many times have you tried to explain to someone what's happening with their dog over the phone? Like one of the things that we were actually thinking about and you talk about, like we were joking about IP earlier, and I was like, before this all happened, I, I was like, I was telling my team guys, you know those phone calls where mid-dental, we have to call the client and say, hey, you know what, there's another 60 here, and that's another $1,000. I said, instead of doing a phone call, we should start doing Zoom calls and we should start holding the phone up and going in the dog's mouth and saying, see this? And then say, look at that x-ray. That's see that? And you show them right there in real time why you're asking for an extra $1,000 and why you've made this phone call right now. And, and people go, I get it. I can yeah. see where that's going. Instead of me just having to believe what you're saying and rely on your, as Gerardo said, less than perfect. Commun- telephone communication skills, I think it'll give vets who, let's, let's be real, we're not great communicators, you know, um, it's, a lot of us would rather not have people in the room and just be alone with the animals. Um, and I think it'll give us actually a, a, a bit of leeway and a bit more, you know, credibility and posture to be able to command that extra whatever by physically being able to show people where their money's going. Mm.
1: Our experience with Zoom has been a little bit um, disheartening actually, because I had a
2: grand plan how we're
1: going to do virtual consults because I don't like the, I hate the word client free or no clients in the whole hospital. So like, because the protocol came out, visually it was like client free protocols. So no, 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 no. We're not going to call it client free protocol because it's like, as if like we don't want our clients, we want clients to come down. We love our clients, right? So it's called virtual consult protocol. And, um, it was all based on Zoom and then uh, our practice at uh, Perth um, uh, tried it out and there were like major issues. People were just like, that's too hard because you click here and that wants me to download an app and no. So that was like, okay, WhatsApp video? You happy with WhatsApp video uh, or you happy for FaceTime? Yeah, so they're, they're used to tech, but I think it's going to change. Like, like the more, more, and more people start using Zoom, it'll be easier and easier and easier or whatever. It sounds like as if you're promoting Zoom. Yeah, has
0: anybody has anybody bought shares in Zoom?
1: <laughs> uh, not yet, but we're glad we will should. <laughs> I think yeah, it, 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 exactly what Shibli is just said there. We will have the ability later after all this to be able to demonstrate the value in a way we've never been able to before.
0: Exciting times! I feel better. Boys, I, this was supposed to be a short episode. I, 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 this is this is amazing. I'm learning so much. Even if not a single person listens to this, I've got you've got one person who's learned from it. Shelby, uh, thank you so much for your time. We are going to make this a regular thing. We still have to think of a name for for your slot, but I look forward to having you back. Thank you for your time. It's
2: been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, thanks you. But I've I've learned heaps too. So that's two people who have learned from this podcast yes, so far. Yes,
0: that's 100 percent improvement. <laughs> thanks, guys. Have a good night. We'll catch up soon.